We are in a, a makeshift mini-series. We say that because we finished the Easter sermon series. Um, and last week, um, just in some time in my own um, time of devotion in Scripture, the, the Lord was like, hey, we need to go here. It's like, oh, okay, so that's like Easter plus. <laughs> like, what next? And the exact same thing happened this week. <laughs> so I said, like, okay, well, then we'll just call it a miniseries, Lord, and then we'll be fine. Now, <laughs> so we're in a miniseries. Uh, we're still in that Easter plus time. Uh, but this is a unique um, sermon. The title of it is, Did You Receive the Holy Spirit? I want to pray. If it's your first time here, we are, we are a rowdy bunch, and we're good with that. No. Father God, thank you that we get to share joy with one another. Thank you that we get to be vulnerable in our worship with one another. Thank you that we get to hug and cry and laugh and smile and grieve and celebrate and mourn all in the same room. We get to come on a mountaintop or in a valley to the exact same place where we meet your spirit and are engulfed in your presence, God. Because regardless of where we are, regardless of how we have come, regardless of how we logged on, When we are in your presence, God, there is a shift and a change, God, and we all get to share in your glory, God. So we ask that nothing changes as we dive into scripture together. Will you be glorified in how we allow our hearts and our minds to be transformed in your word? We know that you're with us, so we don't even have to ask that. But may we be with you. That's something that we need to actually check our hearts about. May we be with you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We'll be in Acts chapter 19. Um, It is a kind of longer portion of Scripture. Normally, um, I will do like a chunk of Scripture, and it's not quite 20 verses, um, but... Uh, 21, actually. So we'll be here in this um, portion of Scripture. But before we did there, I need go there. I need us to have a little bit of caution. Um, and here's why. We come from so many different parts of the tree of the body of Christ, right? And what I mean by that is none of us here all were raised with the same language about Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful thing about who we are. If you look around, you and if you've been a part of the church for more than 20 years, more than likely somebody next to you doesn't look like somebody that would have been next to you 20 years ago, (laughs) right? This morning, you may have heard some sounds that you didn't hear 20 years ago. You may have seen some things that you didn't see 20 years ago. And if you're new to this, you are blessed because you don't have that much undoing to do. (laughs) But for the rest of us, 
we have to approach the conversation of Holy Spirit with a little caution, primarily because of the sermon from last week. There's a part of our idea and thinking about the Holy Spirit slash Holy Ghost that may be sedentary, pushed down and need to be broken up in us all, right? So some of us are like, I rock with the Holy Spirit all day long. He ain't going to tell me nothing new. I might not tell you anything new, but let your heart still be stirred. And some of you are like, oh, my goodness, we about to start rolling around on the floor in here. I'm just saying we got to come with a look. Listen, we can say what it is. If we can't say what it is, then we can't go together. And that means half of us turn off and we're like, yeah, this sermon wasn't for me, so I'm good. No, it's for our family. It's for this body of believers. So may our hearts be in a position for what ground may may be hardened to be broken up in us. Right? (laughs) Somebody said, or your toe crushed off, right? (laughs) So we're going to, we're in Acts. Um, I told you uh, a part of this has come out of my own personal devotion um, time. Like I've been reading through the book of Acts, which when I was really, really young, um, uh, Acts was my go-to book. There's something about all of the miracles and the power that's there. And to just have these regular humans, (laughs) like, doing amazing things, I just, like, the the fantasy, not, not fake, Right? I'm not saying fake as in like fantasy as in make-believe, but there was something fantastic about it that just stretched my imagination for what humanity could be under and empowered by the Spirit. Right? That's really every other book has the Spirit of God kind of interwoven and laced in there. We see God's power in both the Old and the New Testament, but there is no book that highlights the Holy Spirit like Acts. And for many of us who need to have like some sort of like a a calibration of what is life supposed to be like with the Holy Spirit, Acts is a great book for that. Um, And also if you like dramatic things, (laughs) you like color and sparkle (laughs) Acts is the book (laughs) so I was reading Acts chapter 19 and um and I got to verse 2 and the Lord said that this is what we're preaching about this week so here we go while Apollos was in Corinth Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. So before we go to verse two, just to kind of make sure that we're all on the same page, if this is new for you, Paul 
is a believer, a leader in the early church, and we're in the middle of some of what many of us remember as his missionary journeys. Paul was an individual who was equipped and called by God to go to other places and go and tell them about the good news that Jesus Christ has come and go and make new disciples and teaching them about this way of living Right? And he's going all over the place. He's spending sometimes just a few months in one part of the world and sometimes a couple of years. And this is a moment where we see him engaging with folks whom we've been doing ministry with, but also um, just several believers in general. So verse 2, he comes up to these believers who he has not met. And the first thing he asks them is, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Remember I said there's a lot of us and we come from many different places, many different ways of thinking about our relationship to God. Some of us grew up with language about the Holy Spirit and experience with what it is to embrace the move of the Holy Spirit. And some of us literally have, we have, we're just learning about what Holy Spirit is. And that's okay. That's actually a beautiful thing. But I would say that as a church, the church, we tend to kind of draw these really like stark, dark lines between those of us who we rocking with the Holy Spirit and those of us like, I don't want none of that. <laughs> just give me Jesus. That's all I need. It's just Jesus. And this question, we're not moving from this question on purpose. Because I actually want you to process that. Some of us have been taught that the moment you believe, the Holy Spirit just comes around. Based upon this question, I think that we should probably allow ourselves to ponder whether or not that's a thing. If Paul is talking to a group of believers, people who have received the message, people who have believed that Christ has risen from the dead and has, has all, with all power in his hands, they believe, and he asks them, well, did you receive the Holy Spirit? We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. We have 2,000 plus years of theological development that we're standing on. So most of us would not answer that question, no, I didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. But some of us need to actually ponder a different question, a different response. Perhaps it's, no, I didn't need, I, I didn't know I needed to. <laughs> no, no one actually told me anything about receiving a Holy Spirit. Tell me about that. Is that even something that I can receive or should? Should I want to? <laughs> or if I do, what will happen to me? I know we're not exactly the same group of believers that Paul is talking to, but perhaps that 
a question would bubble up inside of your heart. If someone came to you and asked, have you received the Holy Spirit? What's going to happen if I do? Because some of us have seen some memes. Some of us have watched some documentaries. And the only thing we imagine we might not want. I'm just saying. That's why we're actually in this portion of Scripture. Paul continues asking, then what, baptized, what baptism did you experience? He asked, and they replied, the baptism of John. Just to catch us up, John but the, the Baptist was before Jesus started his official kind of ministry. John was out in the wilderness encouraging and teaching and uh, encouraging people to be baptized. Paul says this, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. Some of us have thought that we were baptized in the name of Jesus. And I know that the word Jesus was said when we were baptized or when we, be, when we became believers. But it was specifically because of repentance of sin. Here's what I want us to catch. I know we have to keep going through this verse. But some of us have stopped at repentance of sin. Remember I said over the last couple of weeks, the resurrection was just a door and something was like, there's something after that. Many of us are like, yes, I got my sins taken care of. Great. That's what John was doing. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. This is where the caution comes in. It's okay. Listen, we have to be able to point. Y'all, if you've been around long enough, you know I like pointing to elephants in rooms. There are some of us who, if we've been in this faith system for multiple decades, many of us were taught explicitly against the idea of speaking in other tongues. Not only were we taught that it's not a thing, but to even go that direction, you are living in opposition to God. God's not doing that. So if God's not doing that, then that's not what we should be doing. And some of us have been taught that that's the way we kind of like make, we kind of have a little bit of an idol of it. Just being honest, we have a little bit of an idol of it. And that's a part of actually some of the challenge that we have had as a church is that some of us put way too much stake. And some of us are like, well, because that's not happening with me, then I don't think God's actually in it. (laughs) It's okay for us to know that in the early church, 
one of the ways in which it was clear that people had received the Holy Spirit was that most often they began to speak in other tongues. It's also okay for us to know by the, by, that by the time that Paul wrote Corinthians, it wasn't happening with everybody. That's okay for us to know. He's, why am I saying that? Because in Corinthians chapter 14, Paul is like, does everybody speak in tongues? No. <laughs> it's very clear. It's right there in chapter 14. It's okay. And if we are people who kind of go back and forth from this idea, it's like it's got to be speaking in tongues because if you ain't speaking in tongues, then the Holy Spirit's not there or that's not something God's doing. Then what will happen is we find division in the body of Christ and we start ignoring the Holy Spirit or we start going into some very, very idolatrous, arrogant directions about our relationship with Holy Spirit. And the truth is somewhere in between and neither of those extremes. It's not one or the other. It's all of it because the Holy Spirit refuses to be boxed. <laughs> it's like, y'all ain't gonna put me in no box. <laughs> I wish y'all would say I do something all the time, every time. I'm gonna do something different just today just to make y'all know. <laughs> I do different things. But that's why we need a little caution to break up a little bit of ground. I have family members who lived in shame in their Christian communities for years because they didn't speak in tongues. And I have church members who have avoided the conversation for years because it's scary. And that's not who we are as a church family. Shame and fear don't dictate where we go. Love and truth do. So we're going here because this is where love and truth is. So I have a question for you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? It's not a question. It's not a, a new question. We just read it. I literally just took the same words and put them on a different color background. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Take a moment. Process that. Where are you invited to? Some of us have literally just never been invited to actually consider. Some of us are like, our first knee-jerk reaction is, yeah, yeah, I believe. So I received the Holy Spirit. No, that's not what I said. I didn't say, did you believe? I said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? thing I love about this is Paul's question to them wasn't, do you speak in tongues? Or do you prophesy? Or do you perform miracles? Or do you dot, 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 do this action? 
some of us, we grew up in traditions where receiving the Holy Spirit meant that I had to do something. We may have actual, we may have been asked, do you speak in tongues? Do you whatever the case may be? And that's not what I'm asking either. Because some of us, it's okay, we're in a vulnerable space, but some of us have practiced our prayer language for 15 years, making sure we get all the syllables down. We've listened to the people around us praying and worshiping in tongues, and we know exactly how to string together brother this and sister that and this and such and such prayer language, and we really don't know what's happening with our mouths. And I'm just saying, the question remains, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Not can you do something. Let that sit there for a second. We're going to let that be a little bit of an auger to break up some things. Some of you, you know, you're good. Yes, the answer is yes. Pray for the people around you who the answer is, I don't know yet. Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. Um, some of you, that's your anointing. It's not mine. I don't argue about the kingdom of God. But some of you are like, yes, I feel zealous to make sure that people know all the things Paul did too. But some became stubborn rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years. Kissed all this timeline like he's doing this same thing, right, for two years. So that people throughout the province of Asia both Jews and Greeks or Gentiles in some of your, your Bibles, heard the word of the Lord. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that he had merely touched, excuse me, had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their disease and evil spirits were expelled. Got to pause because we got to have some caution. Because some of y'all have been on your, your Bible network, <laughs> buying cloths, <laughs> ain't no shame in it. I want us to not allow ourselves to get tricked to being in a box with the Holy Spirit. I said Acts is this beautiful place where we get to see many of the ways Holy Spirit has interacted and worked through people, but... Don't get caught in a box. It wasn't the handkerchief. It wasn't the apron. It was the power of God. Through a yielded individual. A yielded individual. That's it. I know we want to make this bigger than it is. I know, because it would be easy if I could just take somebody's tissue real quick. 
and rub it on whatever part of my body is in pain, don't you, don't go digging through my trash can looking for tissue. You ain't going to get nothing but a cold. I'm telling you. Listen, ain't nothing holy about what I just blew my nose in. Okay. That's not how this works. That's the beauty of what really rocking with the Holy Spirit is, is that it's not about the method. It's about the creator of the universe working through a yielded individual. And so whatever I need at this moment, I pick up some dust and throw it in the air and y'all be healed, right? That's how the Holy Spirit works. Like, what do we have in front of us right now? Oh, carpet, be on the carpet. Like, it doesn't really matter. The methodology isn't the point. It's power in a yielded individual that says, Holy Spirit, do what you want to do in and through me. Oh, so you want to use my apron today? Go for it. Oh, oh, you don't want me to do it? You don't even want me to pray? Fine, that's cool. I won't pray. You want to use some oil? Some of us have to have oil around. And I'm not saying that's a problem. Please have oil. It's a part of what we do. It's a part of our tradition. There's a scripture that even talks about us bringing people who have sickness and anointing them with oil and praying that they be healed. But if we think that the power is in the oil, listen, God will use water, oil, candle wax, or whatever we got in front of us. Here's another thing. Some of us are like, it's got to be these five things, and those are the only ones that are holy. No. I like to think about it like this. The God of creation wants to use elements of creation in everything that he does. That's it. It's not about any of the specific things. So some of y'all have been avoiding rocks because, oh, rocks and witchcraft. Nope. Handkerchief. Witches use handkerchiefs too. (laughs) Paul ain't no witch though. It's not about the thing. It's about a yielded individual saying, Holy Spirit, do whatever you want in and through me for your glory, Father, and that whomever I'm ministering to is blessed. Tell me what you want me to grab in this moment. So I don't want us to see what God is doing through Paul with his handkerchief and create a whole formula for healing, and we start gathering cloths. (laughs) It's not a thing. However, if the Holy Spirit tells you to get a cloth, get a cloth. Right? That's how this works. It's a little vulnerable. This next portion of Scripture, we often separate. And that's why I I wanted us to actually read this full little chunk. Because we often separate these. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They were doing a work. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation. Interesting word choice. Saying... I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Some of y'all have read this before. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit 
replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? <laughs> Paul asked some believers earlier, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And this is a part of why. That's why we can't separate these two. Right? That's why we can't separate these two. This is not just some isolated random moment. Paul, the writer of Acts, Luke, is following a chain of thought, a train of thought. Paul asked some people in the beginning of this chapter, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And this is a part of why. I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leapt on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. I'm pausing. Because a part of the conversation of the Holy Spirit is, yes, powerful, miraculous acts. Yes. I think to deny that, we would fall into a pattern of deception called cessationalism. And I'm using the word deception, and I know that's pretty controversial, right? Um, and so, because there are whole theological beliefs built on this idea that miraculous works of God have ceased. That's what cessationalism means. They have ceased. They are no longer happening. They were for those first 12 people, and everybody else just has to look back at what they did. And that is not a thing. <laughs> it's not a thing. Not only is God still working miracles and doing big things in parts of the world that don't have all of the same luxuries and technologies that we have, right? Because some of you are like, yeah, God's doing that in Africa, and that's the only place where God's doing it. No, he did it last week at somebody's house here in Grand Rapids. You just didn't hear about it. <laughs> For those of us who are yielded and for those of us who have an imagination that would believe that God would do that, so we ask, God's still doing stuff. It's still happening. I don't want us to deny that, but I also don't want us to fall into the deception that that's the only thing the Holy Spirit wants to do in me is work through me powerful, miraculous things. We will continue to talk about on that the Holy Spirit wants to bear fruit and give gifts. The fruit of the Spirit 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, gentleness, self-control, all the stuff that we like to see as character development, that's something the Holy Spirit does, not you being afraid to make somebody mad in the church. I know that's how some of us have actually been taught to modify our behavior is if you do this, someone will be angry. If you do this, God will smite you. If you do this, then God won't be happy and I won't be happy either. And you won't be able to sing on the praise team or serve in the children's ministry. But the Holy Spirit actually wants to do something minus any of those threats that will still make me love, that will still make me have more joy than I had last year, that will give me a steadiness inside of my life that will lead to the fullness that Jesus promised me. That's something the Holy Spirit wants to do, and I don't even have to threaten you to make that happen. But if the only thing we imagine Holy Spirit wants to do is cast out a demon through me, then I'll be able to cast out demons, and I'll still actually be hanging out with them. What? What? We just read that people were able to cast out evil spirits, but they got to one that was a little too heavy. It was like, I don't know you. The name of Jesus is powerful. At the the end of the day, it doesn't really matter whether or not you know what power you're dealing with. So some of us have been living in the identity and the power of Jesus minus the Holy Spirit, which allows me to actually live sustained, joy-filled, peaceful, loving life. And decades in, all we see ourselves are workhorses for the Lord because we have not developed a closeness with Holy Spirit that says, yeah, you get to do things with this power and it gets to transform you in such a way that whether you're doing something or not, you're still good. I know pastors who are dreading retirement because they won't know who they are after this work. dreading y'all been in churches where pastors uh they've been in there they've been in the pulpit longer than they should (laughs) their sermons are like reading one verse and then like an hour and a half of expounding on something that ain't got nothing to do with nothing (laughs) listen a part of that is because it's hard for us to see ourselves sometimes separate from the work And let me tell you, the Holy Spirit wants to do a work inside of me that will allow me to retire and still have peace and still have joy and still be full and still be able to do ministry. Right? Many who came... Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books. I said that was an interesting word before because I knew we would come here. And burned them at a public bonfire. (laughs) The value of the books were several million dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. That may feel disconnected, but... It's a letter. Paul 
excuse me, Luke is writing a letter about something going on with Paul, following a train of thought. I told you the Holy Spirit won't be boxed. And so sometimes we have to let ourselves sit in it for a moment to actually see the dots that are being connected. That when we are yielded individuals, the Holy Spirit works in and around us in ways that many of us can't even imagine happening. Many of us can't imagine walking into an environment where people are actively utilizing the power of other spiritual beings and the Holy Spirit moving in that space and allowing their surrender. We can't imagine what that even looks like. We do not have an imagination for the Holy Spirit being able to be with me when I go into a business meeting and everybody in there is talking about ways in which they can cheat other people out of things. But because of me being a yielded individual in that space, they begin to surrender even if they don't fully understand what they're doing. We don't have an imagination for how we can walk into a high school that's performing below average, where there's a fight every day and there's threats of violence all the time, and just being there as a yielded individual transforms things in the room. Here's the thing. Some of us know that I got to say Jesus to people, but that would just kind of be in this ritualistic box swap way of thinking about how the Holy Spirit will move. But if I'm a yielding individual who has received the Holy Spirit, when I walk into the room, it changes. And they don't have to completely understand. You know why they don't have to completely understand why it changed? Because I don't completely understand why it changed. But the pattern remains regardless of my ignorance. When the Holy Spirit is moving through an individual's life who is yielded, things change around them. Lives are transformed and millions of dollars worth of sorcery books get burned. And a reverence for the Lord is experienced. Some of y'all are like, uh... I have never seen anything like that happen before. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Let that have a moment inside of us. If nothing ever changes when I walk into the room, I may believe, but did I receive the Holy Spirit when I believed? I'm not, this isn't condemnation, right? The whole, this whole moment is there's something that was supposed to happen to me as a result of resurrection. It was not just that I got my ticket into heaven. Let your kingdom come here. Let your will be done here, Lord. It's more than just about me being able to live eternally. And that's a wonderful thing. But if the world isn't changed as a result, Jesus. 
did not die just for me. And I know many of us believe that. That if I was just the only one here, he still would have bled and died. And yes, that's true, but it ain't just about me. Jesus did more than just die and resurrect. He also gave us something so that we can effectively transform the world around us, not just exist in it, not just taking breaths until I take my last one and then I'm ready to see you. No. It's not my job to transform the world. That is something Holy Spirit does, but it is my job to be yielded so that whatever transformation needs to take place around me, I can be a part of that when the time arises. And if I haven't actually received that, I will be disappointed when, when I keep talking about Jesus, but nothing is changing. The story is wonderful, but the power isn't in the words. And the power isn't, doesn't come just because you believed. And some of you are like, oh, now you're telling me I got to do a bunch of stuff. No, I'm not. I'm not. The question isn't, did you work hard for the Holy Spirit? The question isn't, did you do enough right things to get to earn the Holy Spirit? The question isn't, did you make sure that you dotted every I and crossed every T so the Holy Spirit wasn't frustrated with you when he showed up at your door? No, the question is, did you receive the Holy Spirit? You ain't got to do nothing. I'm not telling you to do a bunch of stuff. I'm saying, did you receive? So... The second and last question is, do you want to receive the Holy Spirit? There should be want in there. Sorry for the typo. I was excited. Just do you, do you to receive the Holy Spirit? <laughs> so exciting. No. <laughs> do you to receive? No. <laughs> hey, Todd said, do you want, do you need, right? Do you want to? Here's the interesting dynamic that we have. Your belief was good for securing your relationship with the Father. I'm never going to take that away from you because that would be unbiblical. Your belief was good for restoring your relationship to the Father. But your belief alone will not be what allows you to have a life of power and fullness. You can believe and still struggle. <laughs> but there is a reception of the Holy Spirit, the promised comforter and empowerer. Promised comforter and empowerer. That means that you don't actually have to do this in your own strength. I remember I was in a, a choir and 
there was a moment where the Holy Spirit moved in such a powerful way after our concert. And I mean moved. <laughs> like people being healed and set free it was amazing. Right? And we just sat in that. And then we left the, the choir concert and we were all celebrating on the bus. And the director came in and fussed us out about the fact that, like, y'all should be tired after the Holy Spirit moved like that. Why should we be tired after the Holy Spirit moved? What did we do? We just were vessels. Like, (laughs) I'm saying that because some of you are working yourselves up to being able to be used by God. You got to make sure that you, okay, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to make sure that I take my vitamins before the Spirit falls. I got to make sure I get my espresso on. And I'm not saying that we don't have to take care of ourselves, but if it depends upon you, then it's not the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying we're not in partnership, but it is not the way of God to exhaust you in him moving. (laughs) If you're not filled in the process, it's you. You poured out of you, and you got a lot of good things inside of you, but if you want people to be transformed, then you need to receive the Holy Spirit. Does that mean that you should never have to take a break? No, take a break. Please do. But at some point, we as believers have to move beyond. I believe the story and now I'm good. And hopefully I'll have enough energy to serve them. To I believe the story. I am good. Holy Spirit, I receive your power to transform my life and also use my life as a vessel to transform others. And give me grace to navigate when you want to be out of my box. Because I got a box for you, Holy Spirit. Because if you're not moving through gospel music, I don't know what you're doing. you're not moving in my way I don't know what this is some of us haven't received the Holy Spirit because we have control issues and we we want to prescribe what happens next and that's not easy for I'm just saying it it's not easy it's not easy to be in a space where you have to be yielded and say Holy Spirit what do you want to do right now But that's what I'm inviting you to. Do you want to receive the Holy Spirit? I ask you to think about if you had before. And I want to invite you to. Here's where I don't know what happens next. that's okay I trust the spirit of God and so we can stick around for those who are able to stick around for a moment but there's some of us who know we have to leave that's okay that's okay if you know that you have to go it's all right may we go in peace but also empowered Because it's not separate. Peace and power are not mutually exclusive. May we go in peace and power. 
and moment by moment surrendering to the power of the Holy Spirit. Love y'all. See you next week. If you can stay, continue to pray.